Today I thought I'd talk to you about um, God wants you to know sometimes you have to fight or die. Amen? You fight or die. And uh, <clears throat> I think it's important for us to understand, especially when God tells us um, not to compromise and uh, not to get distracted from what we're doing in the earth. Uh, this is a warfare. Uh, I think sometimes people just don't enter into the the spirit enough to participate much. Um, you know that when something is, when you, your back is against a wall, you need a bill paid or something, most people will pray. Uh, you know, sometimes people who don't know the Lord will pray. But Christians certainly will. You know, most of your prayer requests uh, as people come up to the altar have to do with uh, material things, you know, things that are necessary for life. And so I think what happens is we we drift in and out of the warfare. We pray a little bit, we go back in, we pray a little bit, we go back out. But God says sometimes you have to stay in the warfare. You can't come out. And you either fight or you die. Amen. Because it is that crucial sometimes. And so we have to be aware that God wants us to have that fight or die attitude. We have to learn how to stay with the battle. We have to learn how to stay in battle mentality. And that is not some kind of paranoid place where there's a devil behind every bush, even though there is. You know what I'm saying? Just because you see it that way don't mean it ain't right or ain't true. But, uh, you know, in, I'm talking about in a, a fleshly sense where people are excited about the devil and talk about him all day long and never have any victory, never take authority, that kind of living. Uh, that is not what God means when he says to stay in fight mode. But uh, he really, really wants us to always be on our watch. Jesus said to watch as well as pray. For what reason? So that you don't enter into temptation. Man, didn't say watch the devil to see, make sure he ain't stealing nothing. Amen. But he said watch as well as pray that you not enter into the, into temptation. Why? Because the spirit is always willing. You know, your spirit wants to get involved in the things of God, but your flesh is weak. So you watch and guard over the weaknesses of the flesh. You watch and guard over the things that will pull you away from spirituality so that you can, or the realm of the spirit of God so that you can fight a successful warfare. So if you turn to second Samuel chapter 11 and we'll start in verse one and it's a familiar story, uh, that, um, that we're going to go over and we'll talk some about the protections that are available to you when you fulfill the warrior's protocol. Amen. There is a protocol for warriors. Uh, you know, I, I know people will say, uh, we'll put on the armor of God. And uh, if you look at soldiers in the battlefield, they don't ever take it off. You know, they sleep in their gear. They, uh, you know, hug their gun every night, you know, that kind of stuff. Whatever is your protection and your help, you don't ever distance yourself from it so that the enemy can come and catch you off guard and get an advantage over you. And so when we talk about a warrior protocol, that is the lifestyle, the habit 
the mentality, the mental awareness that it takes to stay ready for the battle. Um, people are talking about uh, the incur- increased uh, occurrence of PTSD um, in its post-traumatic stress disorder that military people um, experience. And it, it is appearing that military people may need to be decompressed from the soldier's protocol when they come back to civilian life because it's hard to make that adjustment just abruptly throw yourself back into the the normal uh, flow of things uh and and not feel that you're vulnerable and not feel anxious about things and so forth and so there is a real uh, mentality there is a posture there's a mental attitude and there's a spiritual attitude that comes with being ready for the fight that comes in warfare and that all Christians really should adapt. Now you're not going to find everybody doing this because most Christians think all you got to do is come to church and pay your tithes except when my bills too much, but see, I pay them most of the time. And that's as, I mean, come on now that says, you know it and I know it. That's why we got empty seats everywhere. Because many people have not trained to be uh, in churches. Churches are really, we have a lot of teachers, but we don't have a lot of leaders. I mean, anywhere. You know, a leader is somebody who's going to always be 10 steps ahead of you, clearing the way for you, so that when you use your spiritual weapons, they work. They're never out of the fight. Where you're concerned. You understand what I'm saying? We never take a day off or time off. I mean, you know, you get vacation, but you only vacate so much. I learned that when, when my husband was still alive, we would go on vacations and then after a while he said, eh, um, let's go back home. I'm not enjoying this. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it was God because you, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, you know, you go to, to a resort and you're not going to gamble. You're not going to drink, I hope. You know, I hope you're beyond getting your flesh drunk. Amen. You get it, all you need to stop that is get a good dose of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And you'll never go back to the cheap stuff again. And so when we, when we understand who we are and, and, uh, you know, when, when I'm around, I don't care where I am, I'm always on alert for what God wants me to do. If he wants me to share the word with somebody, if he wants me to pray for somebody, whatever he wants me to do, um, I'm open to it. And so it's, that's the soldier's protocol. You don't step off of, you know, tie one on forever i used to tease uh, uh my nieces and nephews you know they got grown now and uh they were they were saying uh, oh i says oh, Gigi, why don't you and baba come with us okay where are we going they won't go to las vegas i said listen if i go there i ain't nobody's baba y'all don't know me i ain't pastor nobody all right just just take all my money out of my 401 <laughs> and leave me at the casino. They leave me at the blackjack table. <laughs> see, see, that's why I don't go. Amen. It's a bunch of devils that I owe money to yet this day that want to, they want to get me bad. Huh? Amen. They, they, it's like they owe, you owe them something. 
So no, I'm not going back to them old haunts no more. Amen. So, and don't even take me in that city. They got slot machines in the airports, supermarkets. They got them everywhere. So, you know, you don't escape that gambling devil. So I know. Thank you. Amen. Too hot anyway. I sweat too much at this point in my life. So, right. So anyway, you know, you, you just don't, you don't go that far off of your normal way of living where you know you're going to get in trouble. Amen. So, so you, you have to maintain that to watch over your heart. Watch when you start getting real excited about stuff and, you know, wanting to do this and wanting to do that. And, oh, you know, God gave me a prophecy and this has got to be it coming to pass. And then you look at it and say, that really ain't God and I know it. You know what I'm saying? It's like I was I was on Facebook for a while and, and uh, you know, gentlemen would want to want to. Can I get to know you better? And I said, hmm, let me see. Da, 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 da. Yeah, and see, there is some, you know, and they're Christians, Reverend so and so, and uh, Pastor this and that, and uh, you know, oh well, where do you live? Oh, I'm, I live in Ohio, but I preach most of. The, you keep throwing that in. I preach most of the time. No, I'm not available. You know, and you go, um, well, why don't you? I'm going to be in so and so city. Are you preaching there? No, I'm not. Amen. You're never preaching there. Well, if if we could meet somewhere, uh, right? Then they they'd start listing to you think think they're trying to hit on you and and romancing you, and start listing all the stuff they want to do when you get together, huh? And some of the items on that list is felonies, and I know it. Oh, what's enough ID network? So y'all, you Christian women, y'all ain't going to meet nobody right on social media, Facebook. <laughs> huh? Them's felons up in there. Huh? And these are Christian men. Reverend this and Reverend that. So stay off there. Amen? So, yeah, it's just, just a little aside to you. Don't break protocol. Amen? You stay in it. You stay in the a warrior protocol. If you haven't prayed for somebody and you don't get confirmation after confirmation, don't get, don't even get engaged in conversation. Amen. Cause conversation can lead to stupidity right off the bat. So I know from experience. And you can't politely get rid of people either. Them felons, honey, they, mm-mm, you can't hurt their feelings. So you just have to not respond. Amen. Just block them off and delete them. So in first Sam, second Samuel chapter 11, amen, verse one. And it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel and they destroyed the children of Ammon, besieged Rabbah. But David stayed back at Jerusalem. He was still in Jerusalem. So look at what time it was. It says, at the time when kings go forth to battle. So it was not an option for him not to be there. So this is a case of wrong place, wrong time situation. 
And how many of us get suffer loss because of poor timing, poor placement, not keeping the warrior protocol the way we're supposed to? It says, and it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David, <laughs> and David sent and inquired about her, and somebody said, is it, this is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And David sent messengers and took her, and she came unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned to her house. And the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. So David, breaking custom, here it is, the breaking of a custom, things that we are, are, are normally doing at certain times. I don't know how many times I, I'll tell people, they'll say, well, you know, I, I, I didn't feel like coming to church and I stayed home and I got this and I didn't do this and I didn't do nothing. I say, you should come to church. Huh? You should have come. You wouldn't have a complaint about your time. And it's as simple as that. It's as simple as thinking you have something better to do in these dedicated times, times that we have dedicated to the Lord. Now you'll say to yourself, I I didn't dedicate, I didn't tell God I was, I didn't. When you said yes to covenant, you dedicated yourself to whatever God says. You don't say yes and then the, God says, if, if you set your hand to the plow and and withdraw or pull back, he said, my soul has no delight in you. He he commands that we keep going forward. He commands that we always uh, um, uh, honor him in everything that we do. He commands, you can't be begging for a day off from God. Come on, folks. Now, you're a spirit. You, you, your spirit, you should be, you know, crawling to church by the time it's time to come again. You understand what I'm saying? The kind of world we live in now. They're murdering babies right out of the womb. You have permission to kill them, and, and that gets a standing ovation in our 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 legal in our legislatures. The people who make laws for us are plotting murder. And see, there's no way you can say it's not murder anymore. Yeah, you know, we used to play those games because when God pulls the wool off, He pulls it off. Period. And so now people, instead of turning their head aside, you know, you'll hear Christians say, well, I wouldn't do it, but, but I don't, uh, I, I, I respect somebody else's right. They have no right to. Where you get rights to kill somebody and to shed innocent blood, unless it's self-defense, you mean to tell me an unborn baby is a threat to somebody? So here you have, this is a time when kings go off to war. David should have been with the men on the battlefield. But where was he? 
He wasn't almost there. He wasn't on his way there. He wasn't going. So here you have warriors who are out sleeping on the dirt, no comfort, meager provisions, and he's strutting around the palace with a belly full of food, no doubt, feeling good about himself, bored, with nothing to do. Because his to-do was elsewhere. You have more people get in more trouble by being in the wrong place at the wrong time. You even hear, you even hear people say that, you know, you'll see somebody who got shot, was a victim of a shooting, and, uh, it, well, they were just in the wrong place at the wrong time. So there's a, a demon behind that. Wrong place, wrong time is a, the work of the devil, folks. Because it always leads to some kind of destruction, it leads to some kind of uh, upset, it leads, leads to something unsavory. So the wrong place at the wrong time is the devil's making. That's his making. Now, who knows why David decided to stay home from the battle? He might have been feeling he was above that, might have been feeling it was optional. You know, he's a king now. He can do anything he wants to do and nobody can stop him but God. And he knows that. So there are times in modern warfare when generals, admirals, and other heads stay in protected area, but they are connected to the battle and to their soldiers. You don't ever disconnect from that which brought you prominence, that which brought you deliverance, that which brought you victory. David was known as a warrior. And having a warrior's mentality, they have a conquering aggressive kind of an attitude and when when you are are trained like that when you are trained that it's like automatically inside of you that spirit of aggression will come on you whether you're in the battlefield or not you understand what i'm saying if if you have trained yourself say for instance i know on saturdays and sundays i don't shop you understand? I, you could you could twist my arm for fifteen minutes and not get me to go to anybody's mall. Like that's a, a wonderful thing to do. You know that's sin for me. You understand what I'm saying? Even if I'm not, if it, if even if it's a snow day and I can't preach, that TV ain't on. That's I don't break protocol because I'm in the spirit usually at this time, and I'm gonna keep my place in the spirit of God. I'm not looking for a day off. A day off could kill me. You understand what I'm saying? So you don't get a day off from your calling, from what you're called to do. You see all these people getting in trouble, preachers sleeping around with somebody and and losing a ministry or lying to people and all this gets you in so much trouble. Because they got a little bit bigger offering than the church down the street. And somebody told them they was all that. And this is, oh, you're the next up and coming. Yeah, you're the next fallen if you don't have some spiritual habits that you can keep. Let your mind wander. Let your feet wander. All this wandering. Amen. (laughs) Wander, wander, wander. So they were... 
it was David's job to stay connected to the battle, not abdicate his place as a leader over his his army. He was he was to stay with them. So it was customary for kings to go out to war at this time. There's an expected place for all of us Amen. in God. And we must be where God expects us in order to stay in divine will and divine protection. So if you're in the wrong place, you're, it, it's like this. You have an assignment with God. You know, he's already sent in advance angels to help you. He sent his spirit to join you where you, the Holy Ghost ain't following you to every hell hole, nook and cranny place or somebody's meeting where you can get up and prophesy when you want to and people can think you're wonderful. He's not sending you to all of that. You need to go where God sends you. I don't care if you sit down for 25 years. Just be where he places you and learn how to be faithful. Unless you have to open your mouth and talk to other people, less trouble you get into. It's the truth. <laughs> I remember when I, the first time God used me to prophesy, it came out of my mouth. I didn't even know what it was. And and I was in a, a Bible study with a group of, of women, and, and I asked the teacher the Bible study. I said, well, what was that? And she just looked at me. Like I, oh, before I was welcome, now I got poop on my heels. You know what I'm saying? So I learned how to keep my mouth shut, go home and pray, get in my word, and ask God to teach me things about his kingdom. Amen. People don't like it because God uses somebody. You know what I'm saying? They wanted to come through them all the time and not, not through, through other people, you know? And to be honest with you, I thought I was praying. I didn't know what was going on. And then I saw this lady jump up and run out the door and run back in again and all this, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, well, what is going on around here? And it was a word of knowledge about something that she, she wanted, she had a friend of hers, a friend of hers was in a coma. It was a Christian friend of hers. This lady was a doctor too, and I remember, I remember working with her and she was a resident at one of the hospitals. <laughs> yeah, it is me. <laughs> Fancy meeting you here too. But anyway, um, I remember, and, and she, she prayed over all of her patients. She was such a committed, you know, prayer warrior and Christian. And, and so she had prayed over this lady and, and she said that she just had a baby and for some reason she fell into a coma. We don't know what's wrong with her, blah, blah, blah. And, and said all of this after she went out to her car. And, uh, but I, I remember wanting to pray <laughs> for something else. You know what I'm saying? For me! You know, when you go, <laughs> you go to Bible study, you want your needs met. I don't want God to use me for something. Me first. And so I opened my mouth and I remember I said, I am reminded of the book of Acts chapter. And, and to this day, I can't remember that scripture, the one that's on the prayer cloths and stuff like the chapter. And she jumped up, ran out. And I'd see all these people scrambling around. And I'm going like, wait, did I? 
<laughs> what I forget this morning, you know what I'm saying? And uh, so the teacher looked at the handkerchief, and it was the same scripture written on there. She was going to give it to her. And so we decided that we would lay hands on the teacher in leader in the Bible study decided we would lay hands on it and pray over it and believe God to get that lady. And that lady got well. Yeah, you, you understand what I'm saying? I wasn't looking for that. I wasn't trying to be nobody's prophet or nothing. I wasn't trying to prophesy or tell nobody nothing. Amen. And from that day forward, the teacher watched me with one eye open. You understand what I'm saying? It's people's flesh just gets in the way of stuff, folks. You know, I love her and all that, but you know, we all gotta <laughs> let God be the head of the church. You understand what I'm saying? Let Him be the head of the church. So spiritual habits and protocol are important if we are to be in God's grace. There is a grace to be everywhere. And when I say grace, I mean you don't feel like you're in disobedience, you don't feel convicted, you don't feel like you're pushing against something. You understand what I'm saying? It flows a lot easier. You don't feel that that tinge of of conviction for disobedience or anything like that. There is a grace to be there. There is a it's a permission of God, but it's amplified by his spirit. See, because you can have permission from God to be a lot of places and do a lot of things, but when his grace is there, like there are some things that are neutral. God doesn't care. Like if, if I get up out of the bed at 10 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 11, noon, what? God pretty much don't care as long as it ain't on them days I got to preach. You see what I'm saying? And so, and, and as long as I study and pray and do the things I need to do to keep Saturday and Sunday together, we cool. But there are, in, but there are certain things that are assignment things that are nece- more necessary things that you have to have that amplified uh, permission of God by His Spirit to know that you're you're spending your time wisely. You know, it's it kind of gets ramped up a little bit. There's a little bit more restriction for you to to not do it. Um, there's more on timeness about it. Um, you know, it, it's like sometimes I'll be in the girls who work in the kitchen. Just y'all just have to learn how to how this works. But I'll tell them. I say, well, let me do so and so and such and such. And then if it's too slow, I said, now listen, I'm leaving here. I'm in preacher mode now. Y'all got to do this. You hear me? And don't mess it up. <laughs> you know. I don't care. I'm in preacher mode now. You understand what I'm saying? Because I feel the permission of God for me being in that place coming off of me. So what you're left with is raw barb if you don't let me go over here and do where the get where the grace is. You got me? Most of y'all in here scared again. I don't know what it is. I'm going to go talk to some Presbyterians. They understand everything. <laughs> but it is the truth. And you'll feel the same thing too. It's just like you moms, if you got too late, you know what too late picking up your kid is. Cause you're in a panic cause you're scared they're gonna be in tears or wandered off somewhere or something. So if you're, you look at your watch and you see, oh, gotta go. 
If you push granny out her wheelchair or whatever at the time, you going. You understand? Whatever else is holding you holding up over here, when that ding, ding, ding goes off, you got to drop it and, and go on. And so it, it's just that way with God. There's a grace to do everything that's mandatory to do in God. There's a permission to do some things that are not quite as pressing or, or not quite as uh, demanding or crucial. I'll put it that way. And so, but you can't treat everything that way. Not everything's a demand. Not everything's crucial, but not everything is too flexible that you can keep putting it off. And it depends on reason, really your reason. Now, I I always tell people who are prayer partners, I said, try to stick with your prayer time because God don't like you praying with your prayer assignment. You understand what I'm saying? Um, in, in, you know, time after time, people get mad, come in mad, can't find my prayer partner, they don't answer the phone, and I find out that they're striving. You need to call me, I, I call you all the time, you just, see, agreement in prayer is no place for that. Huh? Now, you gotta learn how to humble yourself to your prayer partner in order for you to to be able to to keep that prayer time both people have to do it there's no boss over the prayer where you got to call me all the time i don't do that with my prayer partner why do i do that with you and you done went on to sleep on me how many times you think i tell did i told it say mess with her but if I have to wake her up, I'll call, be just as polite and nice. Get on the phone. No, I know. Wanna? Come on now. Let's get with it. We gotta pray. You, you understand what I'm saying? I don't play around with, well, I'm the pastor and you gotta call me and, and if, you know, I'm, my toenails ain't dry right now. And I, you know, all that nonsense. Come on now. It's, it's just not right. So, and then, see, David found himself in that position where he could have pulled rank. He did it anyway. Shouldn't have, but he pulled rank. So if it was customary for kings to go out at this time, the grace for God helping him was way out in the battlefield. It wasn't there in the palace, that's for sure. Spiritual habits and protocol are important to keep if we are going to remain in God's grace. Grace, we said, is where instruction, protection, it's all the goodies you need for success are over in the realm of grace. Amen. And so and you enter in by faith based on knowing your assignment and knowing the will of God. You're not graced to get up and go do everything that your little old mind snaps and tells you you need to do. Huh? You, you just don't, you're not empowered to do it. There are many things you're going to have to make sound like a good idea and you're going to have to pass on them because you find out God don't want you involved in that. And it may not be anything, quote unquote, wrong with it. Don't be a legalist. Legalistic people think of right and wrong, right and wrong, right and wrong. There's nothing wrong with you. Only thing wrong with it is his disobedience for you. If God doesn't give you his grace and permission to do it. 
Well, I don't see anything wrong because you ain't looking. You need to look sometimes. Quit trying to make excuses for everything you want to do. So many things that are essential to life and protection depend on keeping a protocol. They depend on keeping it. I've seen people that will get off on doing something stupid, you know, like find some old boyfriend or girlfriend or something and start trying to track them down and keep up with them. And, you know, cause, because they don't drop dead, they think it's okay with God. That's where the devil gets you stupid. Huh? You know, the, the Bible says God, God, God says that the times where you disobeyed and I didn't do anything, you thought I was like you. See? We easily think God is made in our image. See, you think that way when you lose sight of what his image is. When you start disobeying him, you think it's the other way around. You think God understands everything. He'll forgive me, you know, not to worry about anything. Well, it must not be too bad or he would have said something. Um, idiot, thou shalt not. You ever read now? He said it already. There are certain things that are safety protocols that we do that God respects, and you're not even aware he respects it. There are certain things. Say, for instance, you you have a habit. You have certain things you always do before you leave your house. You know, like for women, you make sure, well, everybody, make sure you got your keys. Uh, women, grab your purse. Make sure you got everything in it, you know, especially you got small kids. Babies will go through them and take everything out. And, you know, so you go through and make sure you have all that stuff. If you're going to work, if you, you know, fix the lunch, you want to make sure your lunch is, is in there. You have a protocol. That is a protocol that you go through before you get out of the house. Now, there's a drunk driver at the corner of your street. And you're going through your protocol and somehow now you can't find your keys. Because God knows your protocol. Because he knows what you're going to do. He said, yes, you're going to grab this. You're going to do it. Let me push them keys over here where she can't get them. Until the drunk driver runs into that car you see when you get up there to the corner. And you thank God you wasn't up there then. See, your protocol was used by God to help you and protect you in that sense. And he does it all the time with us. Because if, if you're a person who keeps, and many of these things, we are led by the Spirit to do them. Yeah. You know, if there are some things, if you have a checklist that you check, the Holy Spirit helps you make that list. He, he helps you to stay organized. He helps you to, to be places on time. He helps you to do all of these things. David broke protocol. His battle protocol was meager provision. Half hungry all the time. When you're lean and mean, you can move faster. Amen. His palace protocol was all you could eat and scrimps too. 
Amen. In battle, retire early or sleep in small increments. In the palace, he can sleep in every day. Amen. Nobody wake you up until you want to get up. In battle, his mind was sharp to the ideas and advances of the enemy. In the palace, not so sharp. In the palace, he also had many of his fighting men around him as his counselors. So he had help staying on program. He had help staying with the protocol. All his helpers are away doing what he should be doing too. So he got no counselors. He got no helpers. He got people around, but they're people who could, they're less, they're men of lesser integrity. Cause you can tell by what they helped him do. And he knew they would help him do it. You see what I'm saying? And so in, in battle, he would have been busy with plans and strategies, keeping his men safe keeping uh, his eye on the enemy, making plans for how to overtake the enemy. At home, in the palace, he's idle and bored. Idle, boredom, all of those things can get you in trouble. We even say it sometimes. You say, I'm, I'm just bored. You know, I do, I just want something to do. Really? You just want anything to do? Like my mother would say, get, get that mop in your hand. What you sitting up there looking? You didn't, you didn't complain about boredom to her. She kept you busy. Uh, and it was good for you. Huh? To this day, if I'm just sitting around, my mind gets fatigued, I'll go grab me something to do. You got me? Mm-mm. So this protocol was necessary for David to stay sharp, focused, and share with the warriors who served under him. He would have been leading by example. And that's what we need more of in every quarter. I don't care if it's in the home, if school, church, wherever it is. We don't have enough people who will lead by example. Where many fail, uh, this is where many fail, is in not leading by example. We always want some time off. We want to flex our muscles and prove we got power, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't do that stuff anymore. You know, I don't do this and I don't do that. I don't know what God might tell me to do. You know, he's a boss. I don't boss my life. Huh? I don't boss nothing. Everybody knows and reads us. We are open epistles. They know if you have leadership qualities. They know if you don't have leadership qualities. Amen. Keeping protocol means keeping God's favor and protection. You've got to think of it that way. Think, think how, you know, it's like, if God can't think you're serious about getting to church and getting there regularly on time, what do you think he's gonna, he's gonna take you seriously about? Huh? These are minor things, basic things. You want him to take you seriously when you need something. But see, we want to play around with the protocol. We don't play, play, play around with the things that we are should be committed to do and not let anybody break us up from doing what we're committed to do. 
So wrong time, wrong place makes victims out of many people. Many people. There was a young young woman I saw somewhere. I saw a picture somewhere. She was holding a baby and got shot. You know, and thank God they didn't shoot the baby. But she's standing in, in out in the street, talking to somebody, leaning over in a car. Them's felons. I'm telling you. Even the ones that wasn't shooting at her was up to no good. Being led by God is our safety net. Hmm? Out of his leading leads to sin and death. Because the evil one gets involved. So David's sin that was that when he stepped out of being in the war, he stepped into the devil's snare. And trust me, the devil has a snare for everybody. Uh, you may think, oh, you know, you know, it's, it's, that's not a big deal. Oh, he'll snare you up anytime he wants to. Uh, he will. So this happens when we refuse to resist the enemy. Enemy started on David when he told him, man, don't be going out there. You the king now. Kings, I mean, now. You usually go out, but you're the king, brother. You can do what you want to do. Amen. So sometimes what my mother said, you get full of yourself. You understand what I'm saying? And you get full of yourself, you're going to be in trouble. So he refused to resist the enemy, even though he knew the strategies of the enemy very well. To get you distracted from your protocol to get you over into a different spirit instead of in the Holy Spirit. And so if you're arrogant, you are prideful, it's easy to step into the snare of the enemy. The Bible says pride goes before a fall. In fact, it leads you into a fall is what it really means. And so you have to, you have to really understand that to stay in safety, you stay humble to God. So David refused to resist the enemy when it was a thought. And then pretty soon that thought kept working on him. And he would tell that, oh, well, don't pack my stuff this time. No, don't, I'm, I'm not going. They're packing. But sir, you know, you, you, you're not going out to war. See, that's the voice of sensibility questioning whether or not this is a good decision. And so, Sometimes when you, when you speak to people who are over you, they have a tendency to get stiff, you know, or offended by your attempt at correction. Remember Naaman? He was the captain of the Syrian guard. And his little servants came up to him and said, man, listen, go dunk in that water. What's easier? <laughs> go dunk in that water. You know, it's a, if they'd ask you to do a hard thing, is that better? Just go dip in that water. And he did. He humbled himself and he did. Amen. Because it's much better to humble yourself and obey the voice of wisdom rather than to be offended by it and resist it and suffer loss. Many people have not trained themselves to hear wisdom. See, you're listening for a spirit. You're not looking at the skin it's wrapped up in. 
your kids can tell you something that's very wise sometimes. It'll shock you. You sit up there and look and say, whose child is this? You know, all of a sudden, somebody come and took my child. And and so we have to understand that there's a spirit that's on a voice that you need to understand, you know. Many people don't, you know, it's very common in this day and age. People don't like authority figures. They just don't. Uh, the father figure is probably the most attacked and persecuted figure. You understand what I'm saying? You just look at what what's written about toxic masculinity. Uh, <laughs> I think I met some on Facebook, but we ain't going to go there again. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Being who God created you to be is not wrong. It's not going to poison somebody, you know. And then women going on sex strike, and I know half the men are glad. Just saying. You see some of them queens that's talking about what they ain't going to do? Excuse me? Man in his right mind to take a year off. Just saying. But this is this is what life has come to. For the average sinner out there, you Christians don't act so. <laughs> I'm just so offended. Why would she say that? Because it's the truth. And it's coming to your house if you ain't careful. If you don't learn how to dis- discern what spirit is behind something, you'll be sitting up there listening to and agreeing with it. Yeah, maybe that's what I do because my old man, he don't be right neither. He didn't got toxic around here. You call yourself a Christian. Huh? You know, learn how to discern, folks. That is not the voice of wisdom. That's not helping you none. So God makes us open epistles known and read of all men. We're supposed to be able to lead people in the ways of God and be able to stand for God when trouble comes. So that helps to keep us in God's favor and protection. Amen. When we refuse to resist the enemy by compromise, pride, going soft on sin, not taking authority, making excuses, or looking for soulish gratification, huh? that's when you get in trouble. You step off of the spirit and step on over into the flesh because hmm? it seems like it's too hard. When am I going to have some fun? You know, when am I going to get my prayers answered? When am I going to get this? When am I going to get that? And so if you refuse to resist the enemy and stand and watch over your soul, watch as well as pray, you can fall into any kind of, of difficult uh, difficulty. The Bible tells us to submit to God, resist the devil, and he must flee. If David had submitted to God, he'd have been out on the battlefield. No two ways about it. Because there was trouble waiting for him from, stay, from staying. And we don't know if that was the first time he'd done it. Some of them repeat offenders. See, the first time you just feel a little stupid. Straighten up while you're just feeling stupid. 
Because when you start feeling comfortable and you start bragging about what you can get away with, that's when you're really in trouble. Amen. And so we have to make sure that if we make a mistake, that's why the Bible teaches us to be quick to repent, to be quick to go to God and confess our sins. You know, you, David, you know, you ain't doing right. You know, you're in the wrong place. All the mighty men that could have resisted him are gone. So he's the king of the hill. Huh? Top of the heap. <laughs> what is that? Well, I've lost my crowd. I see. Y'all either don't want to say you know that song because you think it's too old. I don't have nobody who go help me out with it. That's just wrong. Huh? But that, that was, uh, what do you call it? New York, New York. That's, yeah, y'all know what I'm talking about. I'll make a brand new start of it in all. Yoo! Well, that's, that's, he's king of the hill. Top of the heap. That's where everybody wants to be. So that's where David was. He was king of the hill. He was top of the heap. And nobody could tell him he didn't have it made. Except he got in trouble. Amen. You know, you get them feelings. You get all excited about what's going on in your life. And, you know, you got some some money from somewhere and got some new this and new that. You know, it's just real easy when you when you have it all to lose it all. And to get stupid. And the devil is waiting. He's laying a trap for the king of the hill at the top of the heap. Huh? We can't live like that as Christians. you got to stay in warrior mentality. you got to remember who you are, whose you serve, what you carry, what you're supposed to be about. You've got to be focused on that 24-7. You just can't up and, and go on a total total uh flesh out vacation from who you are you know being a christian is not some duties it's a lifestyle it's a disciplined lifestyle that allows god to use you to fulfill his will so you're not here on your own time you're not here here for your own purposes that should have been left behind when you got saved many times we want to jump back out into things and and they're just not fun anymore don't you love it when god shows up like that that's a favor to you whether you know it or not knowing certain things are off limits to you you know many times church kids sometimes you got to watch them they want to get grown so they can go out and see what the world does and they go out and look and just as bored. Well, that doesn't look like no fun. But they won't tell anybody else. But I can tell you that's probably experience for most of them. You know, don't ever get the feeling of, oh, my child, <laughs> the devil's going to gobble him up. Yeah, it ain't no better. They just playing you. Huh? Want to give you a headache because they know you don't like it. But there will come a day, folks. When they sit down, they look, they say, you know what? It was much better in mom and daddy's house. 
So then they'll start trying to pattern their life the way you live. That's when you know you got them. Huh? They got the same color carpet or same color drapes, the same this, same. They're trying to recreate what they left. So God's got a hook in their nose already. Don't let them work you. You know, you you worry because they ain't been to church yet. And you need to pray for that. But trust me, they are watching what you do and building their house accordingly. They don't want you to know it. They don't want you to see it. After a while, sin has no taste for them anymore. They can't follow through on none of that fun they used to think they left home for. You call them up on Saturday night, they home. They ain't out nowhere, you know, kicking it, whatever. Somebody told me that's too old. We don't say that anymore. Okay, whatever. Whatever y'all say, they ain't doing it. Amen. So you submit to God, resist the devil, and he must flee. Got to flee. But you got to get under God's power, which means keep your protocol. Keep your warrior protocol. Tell the devil, no, I'm going off to war with everybody else. huh? And he's got to leave you alone. If we compromise here, it may not happen the first time. But at a time when we least suspect, the trap gets sprung um, and you fall into that trap. Bathsheba's pregnancy was the fruit of David's disobedience. Well, it's the fruit of his disobedience. That's what the enemy had planned all along. Number one, it was wrong for kings to multiply wives to themselves because God wanted the king to live as an example among the people. And so God wanted a man to be wed to one wife. Now you saw everyday people do it because that's how they lived, but they weren't supposed to. So, so, uh, when later on, when David, uh, finds out that she's pregnant, he starts instead of falling on his face before God. And this is the thing. You're going to see over and over opportunities for him to turn it around and repent and not suffer great loss. But his pride keeps him moving forward. You ever see people that they know they're wrong and they keep making excuses for it and keep saying it? Well, you know, it's that's him, okay? And, and so we have to, that's why in humility, once it's pointed out to you that you're in trouble, you go to God. And it wasn't like David didn't know God. The Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. Most of the time. <laughs> like most of us. Huh? We're, we're, we're servants. We love God, but sometimes we just don't, don't act it out the way we should. And so it, it, So in verse 6, David sent to Joab after Bathsheba tells him that she's pregnant. He sends to Joab and it says this, Send me Uriah the the Hittite. Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah was come into him, David demanded of him how Joab did and how the people did. Now they says, yeah, tell me about the war. What's going on? I'm so interested. 
liar. Huh? And David said to Uriah, well, let me give you some time off. People who break protocol always like to have companions. I feel like going to church today. What you doing going to church? I ain't as stupid as I look sometimes. You, know, you need to tell people. huh? I'm, 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 my, my blessing is not in the mall. And it's not where you are. Huh? So he told him, go down to your house, wash your feet. What that means is take your sandal, take your war sandals off. And Uriah departed out of the king's house and there followed him a, a big meal from the king, you know, a doggy bag full of stuff, goodies, bribes, offerings. Uriah should have said, why me? You know what I'm saying? I mean, come on, David. This ain't how you usually treat this brother. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his Lord and didn't go home. Now, going home, sometimes this will, this will hurt your feelings because sometimes people that shouldn't know more than you know more than you. Here's a man under David's command that has more discipline to the warrior's protocol than David. Uriah is trained in this mentality. As long as there are brothers of mine on the battlefield, I stand ready to help them. Simplify. Huh? I mean, that, that has been a, a, a creed, a vow for military people almost forever. As long as there is somebody who is fighting on your side in the warfare, you stand ready to fight with him. So Uriah looked at all that and he said, nah, if I go home and go to my wife, I'm going to go be up in the bed. I'm going to be sleeping late. No. I'm dedicated to my protocol. So, it, Uriah represents something in this story. He represents the faithful soldier who is submitted to his leader, but he is also in covenant with men in battle. And he regards David's invitation as just that, merely an invitation, but he is submitting to a higher order on his life, just like David used to do. Before he got to be the big guy. So now David's going to try to pull Uriah over into his lax attitude with him. Uriah has a reputation among the other soldiers. He doesn't want to offend them by not keeping himself in in position to fight. So he goes and sleeps with them instead of breaking protocol, breaking the spirit of the warrior off of him and going home and relaxing. So David finds this out. He sees that Uriah didn't go home to his wife. 
Verse 10, and when they told David, saying Uriah didn't go home to his house, David said to Uriah, didn't you come, come down, didn't you not come from, uh, from your journey? Why did you not go home to your house? And Uriah said to David, he said, the ark and Israel and Judah abide in tents. And my Lord Joab and the servants of my Lord are encamped in open fields. Shall I though then go to my house with my wife? As you live and as my soul lives, I'm not going to do it. So he sworn an oath higher than what David is commanding him to do in being disobedient. Many people fall because leaders tell them to do wrong things. That's why the judgment oftentimes on leaders is so severe when they they stray and lead other people to stumble. You understand what I'm saying? And it should be. Because as a leader, you need to understand who you represent. If you represent the Lord Jesus Christ, you have to carry his character. There's a price to pay. You just can't do what you want to do. Many things are off limits. When you serve God. Why? Because God is calling people to live in a higher place. A place where he can bless them. Not a place where they're always struggling. A place where they always want. A place where they lack. He's wanting people to come up to a place where he can bless them. And so here you have Uriah refusing. And he swears in front of David. He ain't going to do it. So he swears to his death. Because David has no power over this man to help him fall into his trap and, and to cause him to break protocol. So, and David said to Uriah, stay here today also and tomorrow I will let you go. So Uriah stayed in Jerusalem and until that morning when David had called him, he ate and drank before him and he made him drunk and even went at even, he went to lie on his bed with the servants of the Lord, but he didn't go home. So David can't force this man off of his protocol. That's the way you and I need to be. You and I need to be like that. No matter what enticements are put before us, we don't go over that line. You got me? There are some things we can do permissively in God, but there is a strict line that we don't cross. You don't, you don't. It's like uh, I remember uh, uh, the gentleman that, sold our house we bought our house from we moved to michigan was a gay man he lived with his partner and so they sent us an invitation they were having some kind of party or housewarming or something like that and so i told my husband i said well you call this one i said because you know the girl here i ain't gonna like no funny stuff i don't want to offend nobody i said if god tells me to pray for somebody i'm gonna do it i said i don't want you to be embarrassed so he said yeah Let's go eat their free food. So I said, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> they ate their free food. We were sitting uh, on one side of the room. This this was supposed to be their joke on us, but I got to talk to a lot of people. I found out the TV preachers that gay men like. Mm. Yeah, see, the devil has an answer for you everywhere. Usually I tell people, I say, well, I'm a minister. They get it, whoops, go someplace else. But they engage you talking. Oh, I like, you know, Creflo Dollar? Not like that, I know, but you know. 
<laughs> so we, they were supposed to be, and so when we were getting ready to leave, you know, Aubrey knows when it's time to leave, and so we were getting ready to leave. The one guy told us, he said, oh, you know, you're sitting over here with us. The straight people are over there. You're on the gay side of the room. You know, like that's some kind of joke or something. I said, listen, I was here in the name of the Lord. Whatever y'all had going on, God got everything straightened out for us. Amen. But you don't stay there. You don't compromise. You don't tell them you, you know, I don't know why Christians don't like you. Don't go there. You know, you're not there to represent anybody but the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the one younger man at that time, I didn't know it. He only had a year to live. Died in an automobile accident, depressed, drinking, ran into something and killed himself. I got a chance to witness to him. He came by my house one day, brought something that, that they had meant to leave behind and didn't. And I got to share my testimony with him about being depressed. And I didn't know he suffered from depression. You see what I'm saying? I said, all you got to do is call on Jesus. I said, he will always help you. You got me? And so we have to understand what what grace is in, in getting into situations. You, uh, we didn't break protocol. We had some free food. <laughs> and well, the way of the invitation was put, if you don't come, we'll be offended. And I said, well, we don't want to offend you. So we'll be there. But, you know, uh, you, you have to go in the name of the Lord at all times and know when compromise is coming up. You got me? And you don't step over and compromise. So Uriah had a very strong ethic as far as his commitment to the battle, his commitment, he told David, he said, all these other men that I fight with, they're sleeping outside and you expect me to just be like a normal person. No, I'm staying with them. And so David, uh, when, when David found that out that he did not know, you know, he's trying to set him up to be the father of the baby that his wife is pregnant with. And so David's trying to set him up. For that responsibility, he can't do that, and then he goes another step further. Amen. David sets him up to be killed. In verse 12, it says, David said to Uriah, stay here today. So Uriah abode in Jerusalem all day. When David called him, he ate and drank, and it came to pass in the morning. David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter, set Uriah in the front. He he signed the man's death warrant and made him deliver it to his captain. Have him go, and they set him up, put him in the front of the battle, and did not protect him, and he was killed in battle. Amen. And David sent after the mourning period was over, David sent and brought Bathsheba to, to his, uh, to the palace. Then David did all of this stuff. He thought he was getting away with something. Verse 27. And when the morning was past, David set, sent and fetched her to his house and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David done had displeased the Lord. See, when you're, when you're feeling all wonderful, God is the last person you think about pleasing. So when the deal goes down, it's God who's going to get things straightened out. Now David was plagued, and you'll see this in his, uh, other people in his family, uh, the lust, hate, and murder triad which operates in um, 
in in the devil's kingdom um the reason that we we take authority over all three at one time is that they don't travel without one another now i know people early in the ministry and you know, we've been doing had this this book for over 30 years and i remember at one point there were many people working in deliverance and God would sometimes, through experience, help them to understand some things, but you couldn't build doctrine on it. But that was one you could validate in the word. And so uh, I was speaking with somebody that I had studied with at, at one time about deliverance and spiritual warfare. And they told me, they said, yeah, they said God gave us permission to ask these spirits. He said there was a, a spirit that came out of this woman and and she she said, and they asked the spirit what its name was. And he said, lust. She said, who else is in there with you? He said, hatred and murder. And they all have three different voices. You got me? And so it's validated in experience, but it's also validated in the word. It's validated everywhere. That's why we got so much abortion. It starts out in lust. Some Somebody gets an idea that they want to have sex with somebody. And then all of a sudden, nobody likes anybody anymore. Anybody familiar with that scenario? Never works out outside of marriage. You outside of marriage, nothing's going to work for you. And you don't understand why. Well, I can't believe he left me. Duh. Mama said they'll be. Now, everybody's mama tells them that. You understand what I'm saying? They ain't going to say that. Girl, don't you do that. You're going to be by yourself. Oh, he loved me, mama. You don't know. Right. Mama said knows better. So the hatred comes. He can't stand you. Don't want that baby. You lied on me. That ain't my baby. It's hatred. And then you decide, well, I can't, I can't afford this baby. Or you mad at him. So you go to get an abortion. There's murder. You got me? That's how that operates. Rapists, same thing. Lust, hate, murder. It works like clockwork. You say the see the same thing in David's son Amnon with his half sister Tamar. Hmm? He loved her. Oh, he was sick. He was so sick in the bed because he loved her so much. And then after he had sex with her, he just hated her. He said the love that he loved her with was as strong as the hate that he hated her with now and refused to marry her. So Absalom came on years later and murdered Amnon. Why? Revenge for hurting his sister. So don't think it's going to be different for you. Or you got little friends that think, oh yeah, I said, yeah, you see, you understand, see, oh, we understand very well. I understand the devil real good. I understand God better, but I understand the devil real good. And so you can't beat this thing. And so that's what you see manifesting here with David, the lust, hate, and murder triad. We need to know that every timing is everything in God's kingdom. What dated, what started this whole murder scenario off with was the wrong place at the wrong time. It can seem innocent to you 
that it doesn't make any difference to God if I do this or not. You know, he's going to do yada, 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 yada. So timing is everything in God's kingdom. As watchmen, intercessors, and warriors, we must know the times and seasons and what we are to do in each one. We have to examine our thoughts and our motives before God. No, not just mulling it over in your little head, but get before God and say, God, you know what? I'm thinking about doing this. Is this the time to do it? Is this the right thing? Determine to decide to walk with God continually, nonstop, no matter the cost. For David, all it would have cost him was was sleeping in the bear. And you know, if the king is with them, he got a nice tent. The the rest of the soldiers want to make him comfortable and want to do nice things for him. You understand? It ain't going to be but so tough, David. Often people can't handle sacrifice. This is the other thing. For Uriah, it was a way of life. Sacrificing was a... David could have learned something from this young man that was under his command. So David must have taught him, you know, David knew better. Just didn't want to do it. So in, 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 but no, God will never let a sacrifice go unrewarded. He rewards every, everything that you do that you think is hard, that's too hard, that, that it, you're sick of it, you're tired, everything. If it's a sacrifice, God will reward. You've got to believe that your reward is coming in God. He's not, he's not here to punish you and let you do without and then let everybody else have all the fun. That's just wrong. So he never lets a sacrifice go unrewarded. Through Jesus' sacrifice, God has brought unspeakable joy to the world. So his reward was there. Our sacrifice will pay big dividends as well. Stay with your protocol. Stay with your worship, your reading, your study of the word, regular church attendance, submission to authority. All of it provide, provide a discipline and a protocol that will put a hedge of protection around your life from the strategies of the enemy. Your kids are in the hedge. Your dog's in the hedge. Everything and everybody you love is in that hedge with you. Just You just don't break rank. You do what God tells you to do, no matter what everybody else is doing. I know a lot of times ministers want to be successful. Well, what You let God define your success. Your success might, your success might be leading one soul to Christ. You know, uh, it might be being faithful over a handful of disciples who wind up being mighty people. Success is not always money and numbers and buildings. Success is fruit. Amen. And fruit that doesn't go away. Look at all these big churches that empty out and then people are right back in the world again. Doing nothing for God. They have very small percentages of people that go out and do ministry, that go out and win the lost, that go, that, that do the believer's ministry. And so if you're, if you're able to put quality and power into people, and that's what God's called you to do, you stay with it. Don't you get distracted. Don't you break protocol. You stay where God has you. Cause your reward is with Him. When He comes to, to check you out, He brings your reward with Him. Amen. Praise God. Father, thank you for your word and for understanding. We thank you, Lord, for blessing us to know you.
We're, we are not going to go down with under the devil's tricks, Lord. We're not going to do it. We're going to stay committed to you. We're going to stay faithful to you. We're going to be the kind of people that you can look at and know that you can trust us with other souls. You can trust us with your people. You can trust us with your word. You can trust us with ministry, that we would be your trustworthy people. So we thank you for honoring us with your presence and with your grace. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up and then we'll have our launch.